Thank you for joining us for Dwelling Place Lithia Podcast. We hope this message will help you find your identity in Christ and create growth in your life. We hope you enjoy this message. God bless you, church. Uh, Good morning. Um, I love you guys. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, I don't really have an agenda today. I, I don't even have a core theme I'm preaching on. I, uh, I was struggling really hard this week to put something together to say to you guys. So I really just have a string of thoughts, and a lot of it is Bible because that's my crutch. And I just pray you latch on to something that will be beneficial for you there. And... Um, um, I'm going to pray. Uh, Father God, thank you for this time and privilege to worship you, Lord. I pray, God, that you give us a new heart for worship, that you give us a new heart for prayer, oh God, that you give us strength and fire in our bones at night when we go to go to sleep, Father God, that we can't sleep, that we have to sit up and pray, Lord that we wouldn't be satisfied with where we're at, oh God, but that we would try to find new realms in your glory, Lord. God, I don't just want revival, Lord. I want to be revived. I don't want a peak of your presence and then for it to go away, God. I want you to take us somewhere and leave us there in Jesus' name, God. And I pray, Lord, that if anybody has a need in this place, Lord, that it would be met, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So, the Bible calls Satan the ruler of this world, Corinthians 4.4. 4. It also calls him the prince of the power of the air in Ephesians 2.2. 2. Satan does a good job of creating an environment where sin can become second nature. We're so inundated with media that that's just so much looser with his language than it used to be, and it's hard for even believers to find clean stuff to watch. And it's that way on purpose. And the whole point is to get you to slip so then he could run to the throne of God and accuse you before the Father. That's why it's important as a born-again Christian that you don't forget the fear of God. And that's one of the points I'm going to be talking about. It's the love of God that establishes the relationship with the Lord. And it's the love of God that keeps that relationship rewarding. That's why we come in here and we like to worship him because he'll give us his presence and he takes the burdens off. It's, it's wonderful. But it's the fear of God that sets boundaries in the relationship so that you don't get too comfortable and forget who he is. Sometimes it's easy to just think of Jesus as, as your friend and your lover and sometimes you forget he's the king of glory. And there's times even in my life recently where a lot of my prayers are complaining and, and anxious and... And he just says, look at my glory. <laughs> you know, just, just be quiet and walk, you know. And uh, it's, it's hard, but sometimes we got to do it. Um, what I want to do today is just share a Bible with you. Um, I remember the first time I ever preached, I preached on spiritual warfare. And uh, I went through all the, in Ephesians 6, it lists out the different pieces of the armor of God. And one of the ones that I didn't touch on in that church that I preached in just because of time was the sword of the Spirit. And that's really what I want to touch on today. And the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. The Word of God says, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. 
It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Isaiah 55, 11. His word also says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Hebrews 4, 12. See, the world around me can make me feel like I'm old-fashioned, like my views are about to die out, that there's only some of us left, that, you know, just traditional values are, are out of the window. Um, it can make you feel powerless because everybody on the TV is telling you you're wrong. But I read in God's Word that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13.8. He also says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Matthew 24.35. This gives me hope in what I believe because I know that just, I, just because I have opposition now doesn't mean that that, that opposition is going to stay because there's going to be a time where it's going to be removed out of here and only his word is going to remain. Luke chapter 10, verse 18 through 19 says, And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. I fear God because only Yahweh can destroy both body and soul. Anybody here can take my life, even myself. But it's only Yahweh who chooses who goes to the second death in the lake of fire. There is no other God I could respect. And the reason is because there's one who sits on the throne. And he's high above anything you can perceive. And any principality or governor of power, if they want to do anything, they need permission from this one. Daniel prophesied that there was one coming like the Son of Man. And this is Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a Son of Man. And he came to the Ancient of Days, and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, and glory, and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. This is the one that I will confess as Lord. This is the one who has the spirit without measure. This is the one who saw in us what we did not know was in us. And this is the one who calls things out before they happen so that when they do happen, we know that he is who he says he is. His word says Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. This is the one who looked at you when you were in your depression and you still had a bottle to your lips. And he says, you are a holy nation, my royal priesthood. This is the one who saw you when you had a gun to your head because you didn't want to be here anymore. And he said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. This is the one who saw you rejected by everybody and walking as a loner for years. And he told his own people, I have sheep that are not of this fold and I must go bring them in as I have brought you. This is the one who saw you carrying everybody else's expectations of yourself, trying to be a people pleaser. And he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the one who saw you fighting for survival, doing everything you can just to stay above water because only you could feed and clothe yourselves. And anybody who got in your way was dealt with whether they were good or bad because you had your own life in your hands and nobody was going to do it for you. He looked at you and he said, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, which you will eat, nor about your body, which you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. 
and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? O you of little faith, and do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through 34. His name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and he suffered the wrath of God for you because the wages of sin is death. He is the good shepherd, and he is the gate of the sheepfold. He's the one who opens and no man can shut, and he shuts and no man can open. And if anybody wants to get into the sheepfold, they have to go through him. Anybody who goes through the sheepfold any other way, he calls a thief and a robber. There are two conversations I had recently with some people that opened, my, uh, opened up my eyes to see how disconnected some of the sheep were from the fold. Um, there was a homeless man I was speaking to. He was a really nice gentleman, and we got to talking. One second. I need some water. And he started sharing with me his ideas and dreams for, like, homeless ministry. And I said to him, uh, why do you care? You know, I was questioning him. I was just trying to see where he was at. And I said, uh, did somebody show that to you? Did you see somebody care and then you imitated it? Like, where did you get that from? And he said, I never asked myself that before. And that's when I knew he loved the Lord because God is love and God is the source of all things. And you'd be hard pressed to find anything before him. And so I told him, when's the last time you took communion? And I really wasn't asking him when he took communion. What I was asking him was, when's the last time you were seriously part of a body? That's what I was asking him. But it was through that question. And he says, I, I can't remember the last time I did that. And I said, what was the command that he gave us? How do you do that without a body? And he looked down and he said, I need a body. I said, yeah, <laughs> you need a body. <laughs> and uh, there was another customer. There was a customer of mine. I went to their house um, and I gave them a sales presentation. And the whole time I'm doing it, this lady's groaning. And she explains to me she's having a gout attack. And she explained to me what it is. She said, there's crystals that go into like your joints and they give you a lot of pain. And it just, and I could tell it hurt because she was, she was groaning. <laughs> so um, I get done with what I'm doing and I tell the lady, look, you've, you've been in pain the whole time I'm here. You know, how would you, and I'm kind of dancing around the question because I'm trying to figure out where she's at. And I'm like, would would you feel weird if I prayed for you? You know, <laughs> trying to like fill her out. And she goes, I would love that very much. And she smiled ear to ear. And so, you know, I looked down, I prayed. And when I looked up, she was like, you have a heck of a heart. And I said, it's not mine, it's his. And when I said that, the whole room just 
just changed because she realized she wasn't just talking to a water boy anymore. She was talking to the one that was standing behind him. And she started feeling the, the love. And I could feel it too. Like I could feel the presence of God. And when I said that, she, it's like she could barely look at me. And she just kind of looked down and she was in the corner. And I know the Lord was touching her. And so I grabbed the paperwork and I'm finishing it and filling it out. And someone knocks on the door and she goes and opens it. And it's the builder of the house because it's a new house. And he's checking it out, looking at the locks and stuff. And that's prophetic in and of itself. But <laughs> he, you know, he leaves and uh, she goes, uh, I know this is just a water appointment, but like, do you go to church locally or, you know, and she starts asking those questions and uh, we looked it up and she's about an hour away. So it'd be a lot for her. Plus she lives in Oregon now. So that'd be, yeah. So she's kind of in between, but um, she said, I used to go to church, but there was gossip there kind of alluding to like church hurt, like somebody said something or, or whatever. And, um, I didn't ask her about it. I said to her, uh, there was a time in my life where I decided to put the same expectations that I put on everybody else. And, uh, um, I decided to put those on myself and I realized really fast. I couldn't, I couldn't meet him. And she understood what I was saying. And then I said, um, you know, his flock's not perfect, but he is. And I asked her, when's the last time you took communion? <laughs> the same, you know, the same question. And she couldn't remember. And so I just want to read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 18 through 28. Uh, and this is about communion, but I'm, I'm going somewhere else with this. So, and this is Paul talking to the church at Corinth. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead of his own meal. One goes hungry and another gets drunk. Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you for this? No, I will not. For I receive from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. That's 1 Corinthians 11, verses 18 through 28. So somewhere along the lines, and I don't know what happened, and I'm not qualified enough to point fingers, we just started getting really loose with church. And I'm not talking about, like, loose on the outside, like, I'm not saying the church needs more micromanagement or there shouldn't be any freedom of expression. Or, that's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about in the heart. I, um, the idea that Paul's getting at here is basically like when you come to meet together for the Lord, like check yourself before you even come. And I'm not saying people aren't going to come in here upset and maybe you've got a bad phone call, something happened with a family member. That's all normal. But as long as on the inside you're coming here with a mind of 
acknowledging who he is in his glory, not just your buddy. And that you examine yourself for any sin. Like, God, if there's anything in me, if I did something this week, you know, you're like you're checking yourself at the door before you come in here. Because when we come in here, we're, there's a unity that has to happen in the spirit that we can't really see. And once that happens, we can enter into the holy place of God. But if people have, you know, if, if people aren't right, or there's people that are not in here to seek the Lord, that can create issues. And that's really what Paul's not happy with. And I'm not trying to point fingers. <laughs> like I said, I'm not qualified for any of that. What I'm saying is, is when we come in here, we're presenting ourselves to somebody who has the power of life and death in their hands, and it should scare us a little bit. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying to forget his love. All that's wonderful, and I chase after that. But sometimes we have to remember who he is in his glory, because that's who we're going to see when the trumpet sounds. All righty. Well, I appreciate it, guys. That's what I have for you. And... Um, we hope you enjoyed this message. If so, please share it. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at dwellingplacelithia.org forward slash donate. We'll see you next week and may God bless you and your family.